1: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by coordination.com, hosted on jitterymonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahachko. Usually, right about now, I'd be introducing my co-host, Hoss Reuter, but he is at a meeting for this part uh, of the proceedings, this part of the recording, so hopefully uh, he'll get back in time for our weekly conversation with our fearless leader, JDJ, John Dam Johnston, but as promised, uh, we... Always uh, this season have been trying to uh, spend some time with the enemy, so to speak, uh, from uh, our our uh, opponents' SB Nation site and from Hammer and Rails. Joining us almost uh, almost eleven months to the day is Travis Miller. Travis, good to have you back on the show. It's been uh, you know since well, like I said, about eleven months. The end of uh, October since we chatted, but uh, welcome back.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, never heard of the Jittery Monkey Network, but that's a that's a good one. I like the name of that. That's wonderful.
1: That is uh, the the podcast network that I founded uh, over five years ago, and it has, uh, uh, of course, uh, the the Five Heart Podcast, but it also has a pro wrestling podcast, uh, a comic book pop culture podcast, and uh, uh, one of my favorites is a uh, podcast on. It. It's called Positive Cynicism, where you know they have uh, w- themed shows most every week uh, be it you know one hit wonders or or you know some type of pop culture cinema aspect or you know a, a sit down interview segment with you know somebody you you may not necessarily recognize but someone who's doing something positive being a positive influence in society or in social media things like that so um uh, spread the word that that's all that's all i say as the proprietor of uh, the jittery monkey podcast network spread the word
2: oh definitely uh We came to our own realization that we kind of have our own podcast network because we've had our informal podcast where we talk football and basketball and everything, and then over the summer, uh, Paul Banks of the Sports Bakes in Chicago uh, met up with him at a Big Ten tournament several years ago, and we've become pretty good friends and everything. We started a new Let's Get Weird Sports podcast, which kind of like, it's a little bit I just find weird sports stories. Demolition
1: night. It's um. I, I love the podcasting community and and how you know everybody can. I I listen to a lot of you know podcasts from. Very recognizable names in either sports or entertainment or sports entertainment, and you know th- those are not the people that I associate with. You know, it, it's it's you know, um, you know, guys like you who who I am fortunate to to have. You know, are we're into multiples now of uh, of conversations. Uh, you know, my my uh, friends at the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network, of course, guys like uh, Tom and Jim's top five who uh, have fantastic nostalgic uh, podcasts about every other week. Uh, you know, they, it's, it's it's something that you would sit down with your friends and be like, man, what's your, your top five favorite, uh, uh, you know, albums or, or cover songs or toys growing up, things like that. And they just make a really entertaining hour, hour and 20 minute podcast out of it. But, you know, the people who aren't. Dare I say name recognizable but there's some of the best people out there salt of the earth and uh, and a really great podcasting network so uh, uh, happy to hear about you, you know just just the networking that that comes I've never met Haas, my my co-host uh, I've never met John Dam Johnston the our fearless leader at coordination but I get on here and I, I chat with them for an hour or so every week and it just uh, kind of makes the world feel a little bit smaller
2: it, it really does because we've got uh, we've got writers over in one of our writers is in actually Pasadena. He just got a job with the uh, Jet Propulsion Lab. We have another writer who lives in the D.C. area. Another one that lives in Manhattan, Kansas, and it is just kind of nice that we've got kind of a coast to coast boiler network that we talk about and are able to talk purdue sports and everything and I, I know talking podcast networks is probably uh, a <laughs> a lot more exciting than talking about two teams coming in a combined one in seven or one and six for uh, a weekend of football though
1: well let's let talk about it then because yeah you mentioned of course Nebraska winless. they're they're looking for their first win of the season and oddly enough they haven't won since last year against purdue so i'm hoping that the travis miller conversation on the five heart podcast is the lucky charm that's going to help us uh turn things around so am i using you a little bit yeah i am uh but but i'm also uh, as michael scott would say i'm not superstitious but i am a little stitious so just a little stitious, just a little stitious. Oh, so but let's talk about the, those Purdue Boilermakers. I called them heading into you know last weekend, and, and of course uh, the win over a top twenty-five team. Uh, but I called them the best zero and three team in the country. Uh, you had three losses by a combined seven points. Um, granted, yes, one of those losses was to uh, a, a team from. Eastern Michigan, but you did have a four-point loss on the road at Northwestern and a three-point loss on the road at Missouri, who you know was undefeated, you know through their first three games as well, and gave Georgia a little bit of a run uh, last week till uh, you know the second half. what is this Purdue team? They're they're scrappy, uh, but they're also they have they've bought in, you know, for lack of a better term, they've bought into to what's going on there in West Lafayette, and it's interesting because I, I think a lot of Husker fans might see some parallels. They might also, uh, you know, kill me for, for, you know, because there's that Nebraska pride, but they, they have to, I, I think humility is what Husker fans need. Um, when I say that there are some parallels between Nebraska this year and Purdue from a couple of years ago.
2: I, I think I tend to agree with you there. And, uh, you mentioned being the best Owen three team, uh, I think my response to that when we were zero and three was the that's like being called the uh, least uh, lethal STD out there. I mean, really, what does it mean <laughs> in the end? You're still zero three, and I just found it to be an extremely frustrating thing because all four or all three of those first three games were at home. You know, we began the season with a four game homestand and going coming off of last season, which just seemed like a near miracle after the previous four years. There was a lot of excitement about okay, you know, four straight home games. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but there are four straight opponents that we could beat. We really kind of thought, all right, we get off to a start. Maybe we're maybe we're five and one, or even six and zero before Ohio State comes to town. And visions of game day and everything else. And obviously that that didn't work out for us, unfortunately. And really, it was a lot of uh, a lot of self inflicted wounds in there. We had three turnovers that led to 21 points against Northwestern. Plus, you had just the uh, ridiculously silly penalty at the end of the game that prevented us from getting a chance to get the ball back. But at the same time, we had two drives before that that were three and out where we were down four points at home in the fourth quarter, and we had the ball with a chance to go down and score, and we just were unable to. Then the next week against Eastern Michigan, that was one of those games where I'll give credit to Eastern Michigan. They're a pretty good team. Uh, for, the, for the Mac, they didn't make a ton of mistakes. They came in, they played well, and Purdue played very poorly. They missed an extra point. They had a couple calls go against them. They had a uh, missed field goal. They had a couple of critical turnovers. And when it came down to it in the end, uh, there was still a chance to end the game on a fourth and 15 that Eastern Michigan converted at midfield on their drive for the winning field goal. You've got to be able to stop 4th and 15. I'm sorry. You know it's going to be going downfield. You know they're going to be throwing it long. And we gave up a wide open pass over the middle. So that that was frustrating. Then you've got Missouri, which was a pretty exciting game, to be honest. We fell behind by 17. Felt like we were barely, barely hanging on. Managed to get back and tie it in the third quarter. Tied it again in the fourth quarter. But you have a uh, call that was overturned that the Big Ten itself said it shouldn't have been overturned. And it ended up taking a touchdown off the board for us. We had to settle for a field goal. So that's four points taken off the board. And does Missouri still score at the end? Do they settle for the field goal down four? Obviously not. But they were already in scoring position with a minute to go. So who knows what happens there. It, it just changes the entire timber of the end of the game with that. So, it, it was a very frustrating opening, and a lot. of I think, at least for me, the worst one was the Eastern Michigan game because that was the game that we were supposed to win. That was the all right. We, when you're looking at the schedule, that is a W, and so I'm hoping that that doesn't come to, back to bite us in the end.
1: Some parallels for for the start of uh, Purdue season in, in Nebraska because obviously you know you take away the Akron game at the beginning of September, which was canceled. Um, but Nebraska-Colorado certainly had a feel to it of a Northwestern-Purdue. And then the second game of the season would have been, uh, you know, the Troy game, which Nebraska, you know, looking at that in the off season, probably, you know, thinking that that is a win. Going on the road to the big house, though, I thought that it would be a, a better game. I, I've i got the, the, you know, scarlet-tinted glasses on, you know, the, the bit of a homer. I I. I mean, I'm never going to pick against Nebraska. I'd rather be wrong than, you know, pick against them. But I thought it had been a a more competitive game, but ended up being a a 46-point Michigan win. Completely different from from the outcome of that Missouri-Purdue game where, you know, you were in it, you were obviously competitive till the very end, and, and, uh, you know, one bad call uh, goes, you know, against you, but just... I, I don't know the the term that I've used more than once uh, to describe this Nebraska season so far is snake bit. It's just a snake bit program, uh, and I think you know too many of the fans have uh, you know believed all of the hype in the off season about you know Scott Frost coming in, and, and I think they expected all of these changes to be overnight. And the reality is slapping them in the face in that it's it's not going to be. A two, three, four game turnaround. It, it's going to be a season. It's going to be a long season. And and I I think I've been there and I've I've kind of experienced
2: both ends of that because when when Purdue hired Daryl Hazel uh, and that's almost an epithet now in West Lafayette, he he was coming in with a team that went six and six the year before and went to a bowl game. And so there was a lot of hype. We had a big celebration on the circle in downtown Indy that was kind of see the team off for the for his first game at Cincinnati in 2013, and a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. We were expecting to get off to a great start, and then he goes one and eleven that first year, where uh, our only win was over FCS Indiana State, who also went one and eleven, and we (laughs) won that game. Only because we had a very late interception stopping their uh, game-winning score drive, so we kind of convinced ourselves it's like, okay, he's tearing everything down to uh, to build everything up uh, in the, in the future, and it's going to take some time. And well, uh, he ended up tearing everything down and then uh, setting fire to the studs and wrecking the foundation <laughs> on the on uh, on everything else, and then. You know, when Brom came aboard, we were a lot more patient with the, okay, it's going to take some time because everything was just so awful under Hazel. You know, nine wins in four years is is pretty pathetic. And he comes through and goes seven and six and immediately takes us to a bowl game with Hazel's recruits and everything else. And it was it was just out of nowhere, it felt like. So... Yeah, I can kind of empathize, and I see it on both ends. You have the high expectations, and they don't work out. Then you have the low expectations, and suddenly everything's a surprise. So, I, I you know, I'm not saying that – I'm obviously not saying Frost is uh, Hazel or anything. I think he's significantly better than Hazel. But I can understand the, well, we expected a little bit more, and why is it not here right now?
1: And I, I was – Wanting to ask, I was actually going to ask this a little bit later in the conversation, but but since we're talking about, uh, you know, the the state of Nebraska football and and Scott Frost, what is an outsider's opinion when you look in at 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 the Cornhusker football program? Like, what having no emotional ties to to Lincoln to the Huskers, anything like that? Obviously, what what's your take on, on what's going on in in the the state's capital?
0: Well,
2: I mean it's really hard to say. I know you guys have a very proud tradition and obviously the whole nine and four was not good enough for Bo Polini and that I mean that's understandable when you're a program that has won multiple national championships. I mean, my wife is a University of Miami alum. She went to school there and was there the last time they won the national title in two thousand two. Sorry for you guys there. <laughs> but uh Thanks. you know, she's she's very much the okay, 9-4 and four is crap. We're, we're used to winning national titles, and even though it's been a while for them, they, they have those expectations, and you want to get back to that level once you get that taste. So I, I can definitely see the whole, well, why are we not back? Why are we not back when things are a lot different, and it's a whole hell of a lot harder to get back there the, these days. And so, you know, there, there's definitely some impatience I see from Nebraska fans uh, but at the same time, it's it's going to take a while, like you
1: said. And to be fair, and I I don't dislike Mike Riley, the man, um, but when when he left the program, he left it in a state of a dumpster fire rolling downhill. Uh, so it will take time. And the one thing that we on the Five Heart Podcast uh, preach to our listeners, to fans, is patience. It will take time, uh, but... If 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 you run Scott Frost out of town, you're not going to get anybody else coming coming to Lincoln without paying them ten twelve million dollars a year. So,
2: yeah, and and I I can understand that because who who else was going to come there? And we we kind of have a similar thing with our basketball program. To be honest, uh, we we're coming off of a season where we won thirty games for the first time ever, and when we lost to Texas Tech in the tournament, and we, hell, when we lost any game this year there is a small but vocal contingent that says that we should fire Matt Painter. Matt Painter's not going anywhere. He's won two Big Ten championships uh, and come very close several other times. He's taken us to four Sweet 16s. He's a very, very good coach that has not done anything worthy of being fired, but there are still people convinced that we should get rid of him and bring somebody else and that will be the the immediate thing that gets us over the hump and finally back to a final four and it's you know honestly it's made at least as a blogger here that uh, obsessively follows the team it's made it not a lot of fun to deal with that segment of the fan base because it's like you realize painters one of the best coaches in college basketball and he has our program in a position that of other college basketball programs would kill to be in, in that we're expected to make the tournament every year. We're expected to contend for a major conference title probably every two or three years. And there's always at least a chance that we're going to have a deep tournament run.
1: So I want to, not that I don't appreciate the basketball talk, I'm just ill prepared to talk basketball at, right. the, at The end of September. Uh, so uh-huh. I want to get back and, and talk about how, as I call them, you might not, but I call them the best 0 and three team in the land. Uh, <laughs> knocked off, uh, you know, got their first win last week over Boston College, who at the time was ranked 23rd. Um, and tell I me, mean, not only was that a win, I mean it was it was a certainly a nice win. It was a 30 to 13 win. Uh, walk us through, you know, the, the Cliff Notes version of what happened last Saturday.
2: Well, honestly, I think it was. Um, I think it was part. Uh, Purdue's defense played the best it has played all season. The offense was relatively clean and uh, got off to a good start. And really, I don't think Boston College. Um, they didn't have a lot that really uh, surprised me. Honestly, on offense, I know they came in. Uh, averaging more than 50 points a game. They were moving the ball with regularity. A.J. Dillon was averaging about 150 yards in the ground. But they didn't do what uh, what Michigan or Eastern Michigan and Northwestern and Missouri had success against us in spreading us out, uh, getting our defense a little bit more lateral and everything. They had a lot of two tight end sets and just tried to run it into our defensive front and were kind of shocked when we didn't fold that way. Uh, at one point, they had four straight three and outs where they lost a total of 18 yards over four possessions and they weren't mixing anything up. They weren't trying anything different. They were just basically doing a lot of the same things that weren't work- working. But as I said, at the same time, the Purdue defense really was playing solid football, and it was, it was fun to watch. And I think that we just were able to build a lead on them and kind of keep them at bay from there.
1: I want to talk about that defensive front uh that Purdue has because my my buddy Haas if he were here I know he would want to talk about it because he's an offensive line guy and he probably wouldn't say it I think he would think it or he would articulate it differently but I think he's scared to death of what that uh defensive front can do to our offensive line that has not been good (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, that, and that's what's interesting is because our defensive line really struggled to open the season. Um, we didn't get a single sack against Northwestern and gave up more than 100 yards on the ground. Against Eastern Michigan, we got six sacks, but we, didn't, we were unable to get the pressure when we really needed it. And uh, that kind of was the difference, really. They were able to get some good second-half drives and keep us at bay. And then nobody looked good defensively for Purdue or Missouri against uh, in the Missouri game. But that's what happens when you have eighty-seven or 77 points scored and the teams combined for 1,200 yards. I mean, it was just up and down the field all day. And Missouri's got a hell of a quarterback with Drew Locke. But they still had a running back that was able to go for, I think it was about 140 yards with ease. So... I really think that our defensive line is still growing. We have Lorenzo Neal up front at defensive tackle, who uh, is the son of longtime NFL fullback Lorenzo Neal. And he's he's really been solid, but he was the only one that came into the season with any kind of experience or anything. So uh, we're still a very young defensive line, lacking in experience. Um, a couple of guys up front had, or really come into their own with – Anthony Watts had an interception last week, and then he had a batted ball for another interception. We have Kai Higgins, who leads the team with two interceptions as a defensive end, mostly because of the, hey, we're just sticking hands up, batting him in the air, and he's picked a couple off that way. Um, But what I've been impressed with is our linebacking group has really grown up. Marcus Bailey was kind of the, he was expected to be the lone ranger there where he was, quote unquote, the best player on the team and, all Big Ten caliber linebacker, but Derek Barnes and Cornell Jones have really grown up around him. They've been able to get in the backfield. They've been a bit of a pass rush that we've had to manufacture. They've been really aggressive, and they were they were excellent against Boston College. And I think that their development has saved a lot of uh, helped a lot of things the last couple weeks, and especially against Boston College, them playing much better uh, took a lot of pressure off the off off the defensive line and off of a secondary that really got torched against Missouri
1: if there was I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question you know for when the Nebraska coaching staff listens in and game plans based on on the testimonial that you're providing sure what's the (laughs) what's the best way that Nebraska's offense can like what what's the biggest weakness in in the defense that you know nebraska should be looking to exploit
2: i would honestly say just spread us out uh that's where that's where eastern michigan northwestern missouri had the most success they were able to spread us out kind of put some pressure on our secondary which is also very young we've got two cornerbacks that are redshirt freshmen and they're basically trying to usurp two uh, fifth year seniors that were career backups before this year. So, you know, there, there's been some uh, question marks there. There's been some question marks at safety and the offensive line, when they're able to hold up and give a quarterback time to throw, we've been picked apart. That's what happened against Missouri. That's what happened to an extent against Eastern Michigan. I mean, Eastern Michigan threw for 300 yards on us and that was in the rainstorm. (laughs) So, uh, that was a major, major issue against them, and they were able to do it just by protecting the quarterback and giving him time to throw.
1: Well, the good news for Purdue fans is that time for the quarterback to throw has not really been Nebraska's strong suit uh, in 2018. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Boilermaker offense and uh, obviously, you know, able to put points on the board. Uh, able to put yards uh, in, in the stat sheet who are the best playmakers Wh- where are the biggest strengths on offense
2: oh you get to be introduced to Rondale Moore he is uh, he's a fun to watch
1: <laughs> now probably from your perspective more so than our per- our perspective right
2: oh yeah uh, definitely uh, he has uh, won big Ten freshman of the week twice already true freshman out of louisville trinity high school and he has been incredible pretty much from the beginning uh there was there was a lot of hype for him coming in uh because talking about his speed and his maturity and he drops this video over the summer where he does a 600 pound squat as a five foot nine slot receiver which was just astounding so a lot of purdue fans were excited and then northwestern game First pass his way, he is wide open, and he drops it. So it's like, okay, you know, he's a freshman, whatever. And then later in the first quarter, he catches a 30-some-odd-yard touchdown pass and then breaks a 75-yard jet screen, jet sweep for a touchdown all in the first quarter of his first collegiate game. So uh, just he's been phenomenal to watch. His very first game, he broke a 40-plus-year-old record for total yardage in a game, rushing, receiving, receiving, Kick returns everything against Northwestern. And then...
1: As a a true freshman in his first college game.
2: Yes, true freshman in his first college game. Uh, He's currently leading the Big Ten with 33 receptions. He has 372 yards and four touchdowns. Rushing, he has 132 yards rushing and a touchdown on six carries. So he's only averaging 22 yards a carry when he runs the ball. And then now we've got him on kick returns and punt returns just to give him a little bit more uh, chance to do something with the ball in space. And that that's really where he's fun to watch. He, he just, he's phenomenal. He's got breakaway speed. He can shake off tackles. I mean, last week against Boston College, he got hit, spun around from a dead stop, somehow kept his knee about an eighth of an inch off the ground and then took off for 70 yards for a touchdown. I mean it was just he does jaw-dropping plays and that's that's why he's fun to watch. Uh
1: if I'm looking at the internet, if the internet's telling the truth, which if it's on the internet it must be true. Um Husker fans will recognize him number 4 on Saturday. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I mean, I was going to ask if there are any other playmakers, but it sounds like you got all you need in a in a true freshman playing in what will be his fifth college football game uh, of his career uh but but in all seriously uh, seriousness that's not a word i don't, I don't know I, th- I think it's a word i'm not i'm too lazy to look it up uh somebody's got to feed him the ball uh tell me a little bit more about you know uh the backfield and and the big guys up front and, and again opportunities for nebraska m- to maybe make a play because they're desperate they're desperate for a play travis i don't know if you know this or not we we haven't won a game since last year's purdue game we we need help we need purdue's help Tell, tell, well, me uh, tell me where. Help, tell help, me. Help me help them. Help
2: me. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, David Blau was named starting quarterback this week, which was significant because for the first four games, um, he had, uh, Coach Brom had not officially named a starter. He started Elijah Sindelar against Northwestern, but Blau and Sindelar split time against both Northwestern and Eastern Michigan, and they split time for much of last season. Uh, but against Missouri, Blau got the start mostly because Sindelar got banged up in practice, and uh, he only went out and set a new school record for uh, passing yards in a game with 572 yards and three touchdowns. When you consider the, that we've had Bob Greasy, we've had Mark Herman, we've had some guy named Drew Brees. i um, heard of I him. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a pretty significant record to have the passing yardage record in a single game uh so he he's just been playing really good football the last couple of weeks uh had two hundred ninety six yards three touchdowns last week against boston college and i I'm just really pleased to see him he's a fifth year senior he's stuck around uh stuck through the hazel years he had a four touchdown game against Nebraska in the infamous Riker Fife game which
1: we don't talk i've got about that. To
2: I'll give Nebraska a lot of credit there in saying that the only way we would have won that game, and it was hyped as a huge win for Hazel. Unfortunately, it was mostly due to Riker Fife just having a complete nutter meltdown, and we still tried to blow the game and probably would have if uh, the game had been about two minutes longer.
1: <laughs> well, that's why we play 60 minutes and not 62, Travis, to, <laughs> to prevent uh, other teams from trying to give the ball back to Riker Fife.
2: Well, what a, the one thing that I remember of that is we gave up a blocked extra point for a two-pointer that was called back on a penalty, and had it not been called back, you guys would have been down eight with the football uh, in the last 30 seconds in a game where we led by 29 points in the fourth quarter. So, so that that just says everything you need to know about Daryl Hazel football.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> it was record five, so there would have been a pick six to put the game away. He would have won <laughs> it, by 14. It, was, it would have been okay. It was an ugly
2: game. But anyway, so David Blau has been playing really well. Um, As far as a running game, we haven't had much of a running game the last two weeks. But against Eastern Michigan, we had a ton of success on the ground. Um, DJ Knox and Markel Jones each went over 100 yards in that game. And it was the first time in 16 years we had had two running backs over 100 yards in the same game. So, uh, the running game can be there. They are both seniors. They've both had pretty solid moments in their careers and can move the football. And then we've got some other receivers that have really come along uh, this year. Terry Wright, uh, is a Juco that's in his second year. He's had a couple of solid games the last two weeks. He's had a touchdown in each game. Um, Jared Sparks is a former quarterback that has emerged as a solid possession receiver. He uh, he was the one that had a touchdown called back against Missouri, and then also against Eastern Michigan, he had a play. Uh, we had a one point lead, or we had a two point lead, and we're facing. I think it was like third and fourteen, and he had a play where he catches the ball, and his foot comes down about half an inch out of bounds. And if it comes, if he's able to come down about a split second sooner, he makes a miraculous catch and. We have the ball with a two-point lead on a first-and-goal inside the one and probably win the game, so he's had he's had a lot of hard luck uh, <laughs> in those two games where he's been involved in two plays. It's probably the difference right now between three-and-one and one-and-three, one and but other than that, he's been a great possession receiver, and it, has, it wasn't for lack of effort that those went against him. And then we've got a couple of good tight ends. Uh, Bryson Hopkins and Cole Herdman are both solid possession tight ends. Hopkins, 12 catches, 205, and his touchdown so far. And uh, Isaac Zico another Juco guy, 12 catches, 201 yards so far. And we Blau's done a great job of just spreading the ball around and getting a lot of different receivers involved, in addition to Moore, who's been
1: phenomenal. Lots of, um, lots of targets for David Blau, lots of ability, lots of talent, lots of young talent, and, uh, you know, that defense – uh, say what you might about it. I know Hoss. Uh, I, I and, and I'm not. You know, obviously you follow Purdue much closer than we do. But when Haas says, I don't know, man. Something about that that front four is, you know, that 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 front on the defensive front is is making me nervous. I as as closely as you watch, you know, and cover Purdue. Haas has been eyeballing our offensive line for a couple of years now, and He's like, I don't know, the, the two steps forward and eight steps back. So not 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 the fun way. Usually it's because they're getting pushed on their ass. Um, I don't know if you saw that GIF or that video of the Michigan game where our left tackle uh, just got absolutely rushed uh, in the second half. It was uh, the, uh, it made it made the SB Nation main page. Let me put Oops. it that way. So uh, uh, regardless, I. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction. It's not what we do with our guests. Uh, I just want to thank you, Travis, for joining me uh, on the Five Heart Podcast and uh, sharing some wisdom about the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, r- remind people where they can find you on social media, where they can find Hammer and Rails, and, uh, and uh, uh, if they want to read more uh, on the uh, opposing view of things, uh, where they can do so.
2: Uh, well, our site Twitter is at Hammer and Rails, all spelled out. Uh, we've been there for quite a while and everything else, and then usually that, has, uh, that one has kind of our top three or four guys that run it. Uh, myself, I'm at Just T. Mill, which will have a combination of Indiana high school sports that I cover on Friday nights, um, irreverent tweets, and uh, probably a lot of political ranting because I'm one that can't keep silent there. And then, as I like to uh, say, we also have uh, Dr. Air Force Juan. That's air underscore force underscore Juan. Uh, He is Juan Crespo, who has been kind of my uh, second uh, in command for several years now. He's the one that took a job out at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory because he is an actual doctor now in in meteorology. Nice. And then... (laughs) Jumbo Heroes Esquire, as we call him. We have Andrew Ledman, who lives in the D.C. area. He is a fourth-year law student. So we're basically a bad joke. We have a blogger, a doctor, and a lawyer that all walked into a blog.
1: <laughs> I like it. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, check out, again, uh, just hammerandrails.com for you know just reading more on Purdue as you prepare yourself for this Saturday afternoon's homecoming game Ah, knock on wood that there's happiness for the Huskers. I don't know. Uh, but Travis, as always, man, I, I know this is your second time back. I appreciate you. Appreciate uh, the wisdom, the insight, and uh, most importantly, your time, because I know uh, in Indiana it's an hour later than it is here in Illinois. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, uh, we'll catch you again next time. Thanks for having me. Come back. and Let me try that again. Stay tuned, folks, because right after this timeout, Haas Reuter is back, and so is our fearless leader, John Dam Johnston on the five heart podcast Hey
0: everyone kevin huntsberger here from my one two three Cents, the podcast and my one two three cents dot every monday a new episode drops with the latest news and happenings in the world of professional wrestling head to the archives and listen to interviews with legends of the ring like double j jeff jarrett mick foley kamala and dan the beast severin Current superstars like Sheamus, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston have been part of the discussion too. Again, it's my123cents, the podcast, a wrestling fan's perspective. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. It is my honor, it is my privilege, it is my weekly joy to be sitting here with two of the greats, Hoss Reuter and our fearless leader himself, JDJ, John Dam Johnston. Gentlemen, welcome back. Haas, uh, I know you usually are in for the conversation with the enemy, but because of a meeting for school, we had a good conversation without you. Just wanted you to know, uh, John. I'm looking forward to hearing more stories of uh, your original MASH unit back in Korea. Oh God! <laughs> really? You could have warned me
0: that ahead of time.
1: Ah, uh, you know, I figure you know you'd probably had some stories to share of a. Uh, of a cheerful young uh, uh, radio uh, technician and, uh, you know, a wisecracking surgeon or two. I don't know. You probably you probably know all those characters.
0: Well, I remember when we were on the Choice On Reservoir, <laughs> and we got into these three battles in a row and lost all three of them. And our commanding officer said, by God, if we don't win this next one, we're just packing this shit up and going home.
3: Is your commander Scott Frost?
0: <laughs>
1: he he, he he was frosty. Did uh, did did he make any mention about guys not buying in or not wanting to be there? Well, they
0: were all frozen
1: to death by then. Haas, how, how this, are you, buddy? These would never be good stories.
3: I'm good. Uh, it's Friday, you know, and uh, well, drops tomorrow. You know, it's Friday.
1: It's Friday in hey, podcast land. That's Nebraska
3: right. plays on Saturday, and by God, we're going to get a W.
1: In talking with uh, Travis, I, I pointed out more than once that the last game Nebraska won was the Purdue game. Mm-hmm. I had Travis on, and I know we'll get to it. and we're, We talked about it a few weeks back. We're not going to dwell on it, but we're certainly going to mention it. But I talked with Travis last year uh, on October 25th, uh, because my usual podcast partner uh, was in the hospital, as we all know. Um, but I joked with Travis, unrelated to that aspect. But I said, maybe you're the good luck charm. Maybe we need you to be back on this show so that Nebraska can get the win and uh, remember what that's like. He laughed a little bit, but I, I don't think he was really wanting that to happen. So,
3: well, of course he wouldn't. But you know, that's that's fine. You know, we're all we've all got our partisanship to. Various programs, but
1: I feel like you know he, what? Was, he
3: was going get it, it done player. on Saturday. I'm feeling good. He was like, gigant. uh, you ever see the movie Big Trouble in Little China? No, yes, oh. okay,
0: you, you know, got that and, Kurt Russell thing going, huh?
3: Yeah, you know, they hand him the <laughs> potion or whatever. He's like, feeling good. Is yeah, going to uh, fight David lopan That's how I'm feeling right now.
1: What, is, is what's, that the, what's the what's the potion? I was gonna say, nope. is it a case of course banquet?
3: No, I no. I haven't had. I've been so busy this evening that I've not had my usual Thursday night uh, course banquet. So this is stone cold sober. I'm feeling good. I was thinking about that earlier today. With you know, why am I feeling good about this game? And I kind of came to the conclusion that even though we're zero three, we really don't know who the hell we are right now. We got a sample size from Colorado when things were clicking at you know on all cylinders that you'd be the ideal version of who we are. Then we have the version of it with a backup quarterback against Troy. Then we have the version of it where we're completely outclassed by, you know, a program full of NF, you know, defenseful NFL draft picks in Michigan. So we still find out who we are and it could end up being, you know, good enough to beat Purdue.
0: On top of that, that, that Michigan game, I mean, that was a snowball game. You know what I mean? As Where your CEO
3: in Korea would say, it was football. yeah,
0: exactly. You you just you know suddenly you're you're doing stuff and you're doing stuff and all of a sudden you're just getting run over and you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's why this is happening. You just know you're in the middle of a nightmare.
3: Yeah, it, it's like it, uh, trying to tread water in the middle of the ocean. I, there's a lot of sharks, and you're wearing a suit full of meat.
1: I was going to say it reminded me a little bit of being in quicksand, gentlemen. I think you know a hoss. You know what I'm talking about, quicksand.
3: Yes, yeah. you, the more you fight it, the more it brings you down.
1: That's right. Um, there, there was no uh, point that you made there, Haas, that I was going to uh, tack on, and I, I forgot what it was. So well done. Oh, oh shit! I remember. Um, speaking of movies of, of yesteryear and in Coors Banquet, I sent you a message Sunday morning. Uh, yes, you did. with With my uh, with my morning plans, I was having my breakfast and watching *Smoky in the Bandit*. And you're like, "Ah, it's a movie all about Coors banquet,
3: gore, beer." Right. And
1: I'm like, "I think there's a little bit more to it than that."
3: Yeah, there there's a few life lessons about perseverance and contraband and black market sales opportunities and nefarious enterprises. But yeah, it's a wholesome tale about perseverance.
1: You hear that, John? Yeah, perseverance. <laughs> Do
0: you remember smoking? You know, I
1: will will tell you a real-life story. Did you have a a Trans Am?
0: No, I did not have a Trans Am. My cousin, the quarterback of our high school football team, had a Trans Am, and every girl wanted him.
1: Wanted him or wanted a ride in the Trans Am?
0: Yeah, you know, whatever. Did he
3: get drafted to Korea or did he uh, go on scholarship?
0: No. He he wouldn't have gone to Korea, that son of a bitch. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I remember being a student at Nebraska like in nineteen eighty-five or nineteen eighty-six and back then our student tickets were on the uh twenty-yard line. On oh, the it's... uh oh come on, the the East Stadium. And I remember standing up after a, a smashing victory in which we'd crush somebody into the ground, looking at the scoreboard and thinking there's going to come a day then when this isn't normal for us anymore that Tom Osborne is going to be retired and we're not going to win nine games a season. And I wonder what will happen then. It, it's, you know, I wonder if all these people will still be here. I wonder if we'll still be the, you know, the, the fans we are when, I mean, let's face it. It was easy to be a fan when you won a nine games a season.
1: That
3: morbid curiosity just had to come to fruition, didn't it? I guess.
1: I mean, but but going back to what Haas said a few minutes ago, you know, if everything falls, how, it wasn't that long ago where we weren't uttering phrases like, if everything comes into place, we should beat Purdue. I mean. Somebody
0: somebody might have said that in the history of the universe somewhere. I mean, but. But they were probably
1: referring to basketball. That's how the mighty have fallen, you know.
0: The
3: thing is that people forget about is that since the time we joined the conference and started playing Purdue in 2013, we blew them out in 13, And then after that, it's been close games or, you know, a loss in the case of 15. In 2014, that was the game where Amir got hurt in the first quarter, and we slogged to like a 35-14 win and looked like shit in the process. In 15... We got half a hundred score hung on us by Purdue and David Blau running wild on those quarterback draws. In 2016, they were they had one win or they might have been over at that point of the season, and they held us to only 157 yards rushing, with 18 of 24 attempts for our tailbacks netting less than four yards. And then last year we ran for like it was like 40 yards on 28 carries. We've struggled with Purdue and you know since 2014. Like, they got dudes up front, which is amazing because Hazel was not a very good coach, but he left them, you know, with some pieces to work with, like uh, Glenn Big Dog Robinson's son, Jalen Robinson, who was a DN for him, Evan Panful, who's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now, you know, Lorenzo Neal Jr., the son of former Chargers fullback Lorenzo Neal Sr., man, Lorenzo Neal Jr., I mean, he's eaten... The Nebraska offensive line's lunched the past two seasons. And so when people say just beat Purdue, it's like, yeah, they, you know, record-wise they've underperformed, but they've always had dudes on their defense and had good skill position guys. And it's no wonder that a guy like Jeff Brom walks in and, you know, injects a little bit of life and energy into that program and has them walking tall. Hell, by the end of this podcast, I might be anointing them the 85 Bears.
1: Uh, just so you know. Uh, and you're sober?
3: Yeah. I mean, I've always thought Purdue had some damn good players.
1: And do you know who they named as their starting quarterback for tomorrow? Is it Blau? Blau.
3: God damn it. I still have nightmares of him running that quarterback draw.
1: And they have a. This is everything that hopefully. Everybody who's listened up to this point knows because uh, Travis Miller Hammer and Rails uh, just laid all this out for us in the first part of the show. Uh, but they have a true freshman who is doing some really oh, dot-my yeah. things. Rondell Moore, uh, Rondell Moore, uh, out of uh, Louisville Trinity High School, um, you know had had a, I think he's a two time you know conference freshman of the week already in four games, uh, uh, doing some interesting things uh, from that uh, kind of slot receiver. Uh, spot and, and look for him. I think to you know maybe take the ball on some jet sweeps things like that as well. Which Nebraska is infamously good air quotes sarcasm at defending. Uh, so you know I don't know. Well, uh, Travis says that the key for you know what what worked against the first uh, three you know teams that beat Purdue you know being uh, Northwestern, Missouri, and Eastern Michigan was spreading the ball out, uh, spreading the field and and. I think Nebraska has the weapons to do it, but will the offensive line Haas give them, you know, give Adrian Martinez time to uh, make some plays back there?
3: That's all it comes down to. Got to block the war daddy, the albatross, in the middle Lorenzo Neal Jr. You can't let him live in the backfield like he has for the past, you know, two matchups against Purdue. And so you got to, it's got to be a dose of quarterback runs, you know, plays to the, if we can't block him, it's got to be stuff that hits the perimeter, or, you know, quick hitters that he doesn't need to be blocked, you know, very long, just to get a piece of him, but that's the key to the game, and right now, my confidence in Cole Conrad being able to do that isn't exactly very high, just because, you know, going off of what we saw last year, after, because that was a game Michael Decker got hurt in, and Conrad had to come back into the starting lineup, after that so it just comes down to blocking number nine you know that's that's the biggest key up front because stan and jd can get open but if we can block number nine we'll open up the running game and we'll give you know Martinez some time to throw
0: we can't start 10 down
3: (laughs) no we can't we got to come out with some juice yeah no
0: I mean, they just they it, they mentally are. Uh, it's like they're mentally coming apart. You know, they just go, oh, "Here we go again," and then it just like it's down the pooper.
3: Mm-hmm. It's I mean, almost it's, like a you know form of like learned helplessness.
1: But I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that, and a lot of um, I, I don't. I'm trying to think of the right word. But they this team has not obviously won a game in you know eleven months. For anybody who's been wearing the the scarlet and cream for that long, they've forgotten what it's like to win.
3: Well, yeah, I'm starting to feel like a Cleveland Browns fan.
1: I mean, they haven't, well, even Cleveland's won, you know, I know. In, in the last 11 months and a tie. That's ridiculous. Like, I'm,
3: I'm starting to think, like, I need to get all my homework for my classes knocked out, you know, rest of tonight and Friday night. You know, so if we win on Saturday, I can just get deep into my cups of Coors Banquet Saturday night, celebrating a W for the first time in eleven months.
1: I think if we win on Saturday, uh, I'm going to go to the store and buy a, a something. I, I don't usually do this. I'm, I'm a beer man, but I'd I'd buy a, a nice bottle of Scotch or something like that. Sit out on my back deck and just slowly sip, and uh, I don't know, listen to uh, listen to the musical styling. I, I'd be in such a good place. I'd be listening to the musical stylings of like a. Uh, Kenny G. Oh, Oh, man. You're sophisticated. Maybe some some classic Hall & You know, just...
3: Yeah, some some, uh, Philly Soul.
1: How about some Motown, maybe? Oh, Um, I
0: love Motown.
1: You know, just...
0: How about if we get a win and I don't try to drink myself to death?
1: I think you should not drink yourself to death every day.
0: Well, that's probably how, true. How about but unfortunately, okay. when you're watching it, what did I you remember my prediction for last week's game? Pain.
3: Yeah, six, remember, uh, 60
0: to 3. I said 50 to 3. Yeah, and you, I wasn't that far off. I hate you, John. Guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, we're not doing predictions yet, but I, I predict that if uh, we get a win, I don't drink myself to death.
1: <laughs> I I and again, I will I will say this. As as a friend, as a, um, uh, I don't know, not a mentor because you're obviously the leader of the pack, but uh, part of your Coronation family, even if they lose, you should not drink yourself to death. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot. I, I, I want to point this out, uh, and a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners is, if you follow Coronation and, and read most of the articles, or, or all the articles, or at least the headlines, which I think, people do more than anything. You see that oftentimes we will send out questions to, uh, you know, our opposition, their SB Nation site for that week at the Q&A, and they'll send back their answers from some of their contributors. Well, they send us the same, you know, different questions, but, you know, the same format, Q&A. And so I, you know, I did not participate in, in the Q&A, but I went to hammerandrails.com and I looked at the comments. I was wanted to get a pulse, you know, a feel for the pulse of where Purdue fans were at. And after reading our responses to Purdue's questions, the number one comment, and they're only 19 so far, but the number one comment based on our responses to their questions, uh, guys, was, quote, they sound like Purdue fans.
0: I read that. Oh, my God. We do. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't quite gotten to the point where we're going, is it almost basketball season? But, you know, only a couple more weeks. Who knows? Uh,
3: don't remind me. It just reminds me of how fleeting
1: of a time football season really is.
0: It's it seems like it's going very fast. It always does.
1: Hey, we, yeah. we let's let's talk about positives in Nebraska athletics because in uh, the promo that Haas and I cut earlier in the week, we said that we do try to mention all of the Husker sports uh, and uh, the uh, Husker soccer. I believe women's soccer. Uh, one at Penn State earlier today, one to nothing. I think that's the first time they've ever beaten Penn State, or at least won on the road at Penn State. So, uh, kudos to the soccer uh, program. Now it's football's turn, and there's there's work to be done. I think it's a winnable game. I do, but it is I, a winnable game. But at the same time, son of a bitch, I said that last week. I said that Nebraska was going to win on a you know game-winning field goal from Barrett Pickering. He had a field goal, and it was good. just was nowhere near game winning. But I said that they were going to beat Michigan in the big house 24-21. My expectations are so out of reality that I'm going to go run my head through a wall. Greg,
3: it's like like we talked about after we went off air on Sunday. You, You just feel, as bad as things have been, you know, the heartbreaker against Colorado, before that the rain out against Akron, the loss to Troy, the Big House beatdown, you can't there's you can't help but feel like the light is going to come on at some point for these guys. That you know, and I don't mean that the light's going to come on and we're going to rip off nine straight to finish the year nine and three and we're going to go to Indianapolis. No, like best case scenario, the light goes on and we finish out the year seven and two. Highly unlikely, but if we you know if the light comes on, we can finish this out at four and eight or five and seven. That'd be a step in the right direction, considering the, the just the nightmarish start to the season that we have had. Tomorrow's winnable. Again, we really don't know what this team is quite yet. Just because you're you're put into bad situational football right out of the gate, and situational football is such a big part of the game that when you're thrust into it right after opening kickoff, you know, you lose a fumble on your opening drive, Colorado goes the other direction, you lose another fumble, then you're down fourteen nothing. Same thing with the Troy game. The tip ball against Michigan, that would have been a surefire touchdown. And you're finding yourself in a hole and you're starting to feel snake bit. You don't know what we look like when, you know, we're in a normal situation. So if we can get out in front of this thing on Saturday and score on the first drive, at the very least, you know, not have a colossal error on the first drive. And then, you know, even if we have to punt, we hold Purdue, you know, and we get the ball back, we'll start to kind of, you know, it'll be a good start to starting to understand who we are.
1: Haas, let me ask, really
3: convoluted. I'm sorry.
1: Let me ask you, Haas, because your memory is better than mine, and, and no offense, John Dam Johnston, uh, have we started the game on defense at all? this season
3: no Troy
1: we did on Troy did we we did yeah, not yeah we started on
3: defense held him and then there was that you know they said he didn't get the first down and it looked the review looked like he did get the first down Troy's uh, ball carrier and they punted Neil Brown wasn't real happy about that but yeah we got the ball okay. uh, second in that game but yeah I mean if we're not playing from behind you know two minutes into the game, that'd go a long way in kind of helping these guys settle in and just, you know, strapping it up and playing ball. Not, you know, not already thinking, oh, here we go again, you know. Just, it's nothing, nothing, we're going to go do our thing, whether it's on offense or defense, let's go to work.
0: We seem to be a feast or famine team.
3: Yeah, which is surprising considering how consistent we were against colorado moving the football
1: we we seem to be a feast or famine fan base yeah, that too no i don't know i mean
0: we still have a sellout streak people are still going to show up to the purdue game but I they're would, gonna, can i ask
3: you guys this
0: but they're going to bitch the whole time well yeah but that every fan base bitches that's what we do we're fans If we don't do that, then we go home and, like, explode and blow things up or burn the house down and shit like that.
3: I want to ask you guys this. Would you be willing to trade the sellout streak ending for a guaranteed conference championship in 2021? I'm not saying it happened. I have my own opinions on the sellout streak, so I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are.
1: (laughs) It's come to this. Yeah. (laughs) We're bargaining. <laughs> we're bargaining with hypotheticals. Yeah, we're uh, going through this. You know
0: what? I, I'd say yes. I and would, there, too. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I hear from so many people that the sellout streak is some kind of, like, sacred cow that cannot be lost. And they're terrified, the athletic department, of losing it. As if, you know, I, I guess I look at it and go, you know, like I did in 1985 or whatever, looking up and going, someday this is all going to end. Someday it's going to end. Maybe it won't in my lifetime. But if you said we traded it for a Big Ten championship, I'd say, yeah, why not? I would, too. I, uh, you know, the,
3: the solid streak is something that, yeah, sure, it's cute and it's quaint, but it doesn't mean a, excuse my language, but it doesn't mean a goddamn thing when it comes to on-field
0: play. That's true, and if we don't win a Big Ten championship by 2021, I don't know where we're going to be anyway. So,
1: here, Here's the thing, and I think we've talked about this before. Maybe maybe we just talked about it in the Slack chat room, but I thought we addressed it here. If the the sellout streak, maybe not the streak per se, but the layout of the fans, I, we had to have talked about it here because I specifically remember John's input. If you move the student section to where a place where they could – do more damage for lack of a better term then having a, having a sellout standing room only crowd means more, but tucked up in the corner, they're not doing anything. Put them behind the opposing bench, put them, you know, field level in a, in an end zone or something. I just move them closer because that's your energetic group. That's going to be, you know, making noise and being raucous at the right time. That's not, you know, that's not the people who are going to be politely sitting there and, and cheering, I, I want somebody who's going to be disruptive, who's going to yell, who's going to, I don't know, make communication from the sideline to the huddle more difficult.
0: Yeah, and, and also, that's your that's your next generation of fans that are going to buy tickets. Yeah. And if you kind of make them feel left off, I, I kind of wonder about that. But you still, I mean, when you go to Lincoln for a game day experience, it's still an amazing game day experience. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I've I mean, you, 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 when you still get the tunnel walk and you get the flyover and you get the fireworks and it's time to go,
1: I mean, it's still goosebumps time. You know what I mean? John, will you take me to my first Husker game in Lincoln?
3: <laughs> yeah, John, I think you need to use that coordination slush fund to get Hooch here to a game.
1: Well, I started shooting the
0: games when I go, so I don't actually have to talk to anybody or be <laughs> next to them. Well,
3: why don't you use that coordination slush fund? Yeah. You know, the- a couple of tickets for you and Greg. The night before the game, you can take us all out to the Drover as coordination staff, you know.
1: I- I'd be happy going to uh, visit our friends at the Blue Blood Brewing Company.
0: Oh, death! Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's 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 a good visit. It is. See, see, uh, right. I'll, 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 I'll When I get when guy. I get enough to get my Bugatti, I'll will then I'll
1: share with you guys.
3: Oh. Withholding as usual,
1: John. Yes, exactly. Good, good to know that you're putting yourself first.
0: Uh, hey, you know what? I've, no, I'm kidding. I've been I'm, around, I've been around, and I've sacrificed. I, you
1: know, I'm kidding. For like, man.
0: Like every baby boomer, I, I worked hard all these years, and I deserve Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, everything else I can take from you younger
1: people. Do you, wait, do you, are, do you fall into the baby boomer category if you're born in 1923? <laughs> <laughs> it was the baby boomer
0: generation from World War I. Damn, you're as old as
3: Memorial Stadium,
0: John. <laughs>
1: well, I remember all the expansions. You probably there. You you probably got some of those first photographs of Memorial Stadium. I you're, did. You
3: probably were working on the crew pouring the footings, you know. Now wait room.
1: a minute. Let's go back to this
0: twenty twenty one.
1: Oh yeah, conference <laughs> championship. People abusing me jo- when John twenty twenty one When John will be nearly ninety eight years old?
0: <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty one. Why did you pick that year?
3: Martinez would be a senior.
0: Okay. Because, I mean, we all, during this offseason, we convinced ourselves that we would win a conference championship in, like, three years.
3: And, again, I still don't think that's altogether unrealistic. I mean, it's this year and next year are the really heavy lifting of the rebuild. You know, In when new coaches take over the most important time of their, you know, of starting out is that first off-season after their first year because things have been implemented. You have game tape on what you do well in your current scheme with your current personnel. And then from there, that, you know, first true off-season when you're ensconced, that's where the most of the development takes place. And that's the second year of strength and conditioning, you know, under Zach Duvall. So I think regardless how this year finishes out, I think that we're going to see a big jump relative to how we finish this year, of course, a big jump in 2019.
0: Well, there, you know what? There is still a lot of football to be played. Yeah. So um, as, bad right. as, it, as bad as it's been, you know, if we take care of business against Purdue, I guess you just, you know, you do what the, you do, you do what Alcoholics Anonymous says. You take it one day at a time. Day by day. Well,
1: And that's, um, there's one thing that I've learned in the last couple of months outside of just Husker football, but that day by day, I mean, it's, you know, it it looks nice on a shirt. It, uh, it's, it's fun to hear, you know, the the team, you know, in the video that, that, you know, pumps up the crowd, but that day by day getting better and better stuff, that's, that can be applied to everybody in every walk of life. On any anything they're struggling with, I I'm, I'm going deep and philosophical and a little personal here, but I mean that's that's something I, I keep with me every day, and uh, yeah, I don't know, that, I, I was just sidebarring and, and brought. The, no, I, brought, brought, I completely the, agree. I brought uh, the whole damn tone of the show show down. So, but uh, day by
3: day, you know, the incremental improvement, you know, just taking, you know, putting the blinders on. And just focusing on your task at hand instead of looking up and, you know, if you're a plow horse looking at how much left you have to go, you just zero in, you focus on, you know, what's immediate, and you just go from there. And that's improvement for anything. I mean, you want to quit smoking, you take it day by day, you want to lose weight, you take it day by day, you want to get better at something, you know, it's the compounding effect of what you do each day adds up over time. Results don't come overnight, but you string enough of those together, you're going to see positive results. So, you know, as trite as some people might think it is because it's on the shirts that the staff wears, and it's in the Husker prayer, it's one of the, you know, self-evident truths of life, you know, incremental improvement.
0: I wasn't actually thinking of the shirts they wear or the, or the Husker prayer. I was actually thinking of the Alcoholics Anonymous phrase one day at a time. So, you know, well, I guess yeah, you guys are better off than I am. I'm going to start thing putting, putting stickers too. around the house.
3: I knew you were sitting in the alley with the winos last week.
0: Well, God. You know, every year I've made a joke about let's go to group rehab. And every <laughs> oh, year I could... I'm thinking the Nebraska Alumni Association, probably, if this season keeps up with, you know, in a downward trajectory, maybe they should start offering that as like a trip, you know?
3: Do you guys ever watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia?
1: No, it's just, it's not.
3: There's an episode where the gang goes to see a psychiatrist about whose turn it is to do the dishes to try to, you know, mediate their argument and they end up just kind of baring their soul to... The psychiatrist, that would be the coordination staff going to see a psychiatrist for, you know, how things have gone in the past seven games, eight games of Husker football.
0: True. Very true.
3: And John, you'd definitely be Charlie Kelly.
0: <laughs> no, I'm gonna, you know, I, I, I need to start watching more TV. I actually don't watch very much TV.
3: Yeah, well, all watching. those gun smoke
0: reruns,
1: you know. Can I be Danny DeVito? What? Can I be Danny DeVito?
3: Of course, you can be Frank, uh, Frank Reynolds.
1: No, I just want to be Danny DeVito. I don't know if it's. Frank <laughs> well, you want
3: to be four foot eight?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was the penguin. He was, you know, Arnold's twin. I mean, he, he's had a good career. He did those limoncello commercials. <laughs> Isn't that what it's called? I don't I know. What is it?
0: You know, like limoncello. It's a it's a liqueur or a drink somehow. I don't know. I've never had it. It uh, seems kind of weird to me. But I, I don't know. But I want an alcohol you've never had. <laughs> I keep going back to the same thing over and over, don't I? You, do, <laughs> okay. Do you need an intervention, John? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens after Purdue. <laughs>
3: Oh, Lord, please help us
1: <laughs> lord if like, if you, if you value john's liver, you'll help Nebraska win.
3: It's kind of a tough dichotomy there though, because he values john's liver and we win that's just going to do damage to my liver because i'm going to be treating it like mardi Gras in the middle of September,
1: yeah, but you're not eighty seven years old
3: yeah i'm I'm pretty young and spry still,
1: so uh, you, <laughs> that's true. you can afford to give up your liver
0: yeah I,
3: I can inflict a few more years of damage before uh becoming a little bit more civilized
1: and, and I'll, I'll tell you what and this goes for either of you two guys I'm not gonna make this a blanket offer for anybody uh listening uh, to the five heart podcast but if either of you guys ever need a portion of a liver and I'm a match you guys can have part of my liver it'll grow back
3: you're a hell of a guy hooch.
1: I will say that, based on what I've learned recently, uh, be, both pre-op and post-op, the person who is donating liver cannot drink alcohol for like you know six months prior and six months after. So that's a big sacrifice, more of a sacrifice than giving my liver, but i do it for either of you guys.
0: That's very nice, but at eighty-seven, I'm pretty sure they're going to look <laughs> at me and go, "You're, dude, come on, You're just get it. You're done." Okay.
3: They're just gonna take you out back behind the
0: barn. <laughs> Be merciful. <sighs>
1: well, we, never mind. We're not gonna we're not gonna go down that that road. Um, what else we have to talk about that's football related? Before we jump, uh, you know, uh, turn the turn the wheel and steer the ship in a different direction briefly.
3: Well, you want to do predictions?
1: We want to do predictions now, or do we want to save them for the very end? Yeah, let's do them now. Good, good let's call. Do them. All right, who's going first?
3: I'll go I'll lead off.
1: All right. Batting first playing left field from Gretna, Nebraska, home of the dragons, and Andy Janovich. <sighs> Here's Haas Reuter.
3: I'm gonna go with Nebraska thirty three for due twenty. Okay. Nice thirteen point win. Things look good. Things start getting on track. I'm not going to say it's going to be enough to beat Wisconsin in a couple of weeks because let's just face it, it's not. But you know we'll be feeling good Saturday. Run game gets clicking. Um, Hopefully we can mitigate Lorenzo Neal Jr. And for one one Saturday night, all is well from Kimball to Omaha. Look
0: at you, I'll go. I'll go. uh, You realize that we've only scored 19 points a game. I mean that's that's not very good, but, uh, I think our offense is better than that. Uh, I'll say we'll win twenty-eight to twenty-one, and we we start out with the lead, and we maintain the lead throughout the game. But twenty-seven, twenty-one game, to we, and we finally feel good about
1: a Saturday this season. I'm going to split the offensive difference. I'm going to say 31 24. Okay. I just, and I'll tell you my reasoning why. I, I hate leaving but, a field goal off, off the board. Like, I feel like if a team's going to get close, if they don't get seven, they're going to kick and get three. And even with Barrett Pickering, that has a possibility of happening from time to time. So I'm going, I feel like they're, both teams are going to have a field goal. Okay. I like, it.
3: We'll have multiple ones with my score.
1: Right. Well, that's fine. I was wondering how you were going to get there. Um, I thought of safety might be involved, but I like it.
3: Yeah, we go four touchdowns, a field goal, and a safety, or three touchdowns, four field goals.
1: Either way, I'm on board. You know what? As long as at the end of the day the score under the N is larger than the score under the P, I'm happy as can be. I'm tickled tickled to death. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: sorry okay what else we got
1: um just briefly uh and and i I just want to touch on briefly because we did talk about it uh a month ago um but as we record this it is september 27th uh 2018 it is exactly a year removed from when we uh learned that that our good friend uh and, and fellow husker fan and and big-time contributor, big part of our coronation family, uh, wasn't going to be coming home uh, from the hospital. And uh, like, like I said, uh, you know, we like we did talk about it. We did get a little bit emotional, uh, you know, a, a few weeks back. Um, I just I, – I didn't want the day to go by. I didn't want this episode to go by without at least bringing up Brian. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't have to – John, I thought what you said in the flakes, uh, Thursday morning was really fantastic. Uh, it was well said. Um, you know, I, I threw him some love on, on Facebook just to let him know that, uh, you know, I missed him, and, uh, uh, you know, I know he's looking down. I hope that we make him proud. Um, I think we are. I, I um, we we talked, we joked uh, about, you know, our our coordination group therapy, you yeah, and, but... Uh, a little peek into my personal life is that I have been seeing a therapist, and and I told her, uh, you know, about Brian, and uh, and I told her that the reason that the Five Heart Podcast went on, uh, you know, it, it, even after it, I, I could have shut it down, at, at, you know, for a little bit of time there, I wanted to shut it down um, because he was he was my my podcast partner, and uh, you know, I know John, you you stepped in, and we had a really nice conversation uh, a year ago, right after it all happened. And then of course, Hoss is, uh, I don't know if he intended to be the, the, te- uh, the permanent replacement, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he certainly stepped up and it has done phenomenal. But, you know, I told my therapist, I said, the reason the, the, the podcast has gone on, has continued on is because Brian would have said, we need the content, get your ass up out there and record <laughs> No, uh, well, that's true. That you know, is true. He, he was he was always content-driven and, and wanting to know who had what and, and who was going to be writing what, who was going to be contributing uh, this piece or that article, or who, you know, who had what in the hopper, uh, you know, a, a, an article idea ready to go. Um, and it's even, you know, his presence is felt every day on Coronation, even on the days that we don't, you know, like this is kind of a, a milestone day because it's been a year. Even on the, the days, you know, there are more days that we don't mention him uh, than, than we do. But I know his, his presence is definitely felt because everybody's talking about the content now. Everybody's helping everyone else, you know, with, with a topic or, uh, you know, saying, hey, I, I need help on, you know, this article. Can somebody jump in and, and finish writing it? Or, or you know, the, the game threads or the recaps or the first half recaps, uh, uh, you know, the, the day after – uh, stuff you know morning after stuff uh, everybody has pitched in and that just goes to show really how much he did um, but that's true also yeah but it, it's it's because of him uh, you know I, I feel a certain sense of of not wanting to let him down uh, from from the little that I actually contribute um, but like I said like I said here a minute ago and like I, I said to my therapist is that that Brian's the reason that it's odd in his passing he's the reason that the podcast kept going because he would have wanted the podcast he would have wanted the content to continue um so uh even though we don't say it uh at least from from my where i sit uh even though we don't say it every week or every you know twice a week uh we kind of uh, i kind of silently dedicate each one to brian so like i said we hope i hope that we make him proud and um. That's really well, awesome. Well, you have,
0: you have that announcer voice that people need to hear anyway. Haas likes to
1: talk, and I'm just a dork. So, you know, it kind of works. <laughs> you, you know what? You, you say that. Like, I, I spent a decade in radio, and when I got into radio, I was 21 years old. And my dad, who didn't think that radio was a suitable – I don't know, not to knock it, but he's like, you sure you want to do radio? You don't get paid a whole lot, you know? I'm like, yeah. you know? He's like, well – you got a good voice for radio, he says. But you got a better face for radio. And I'm like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that's pops, you know, uh, bringing bringing the the love right there. So, uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, John. And um, you know, I I like to talk to. Don't don't let don't let don't let it fool you. Hoss isn't the only talker here. So
3: we're, we're like uh, we're like the podcast equivalent of that. The old college football announcing crew with Brent Musburger and Dick Vermeule. You got the Musburger voice and cadence. I'm Dick Vermeule over there talking about you know all these schemes and everything, and you know. So
1: I wish I had the uh, Brent Musburger. Who do I, I get a beat? Five. Um, ooh, that's a good question. What? No, don't don't say Lee Corso because he's he's old too. No, no. <laughs> uh,
3: no, you're Pino Cook.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> I've listened to Bino Cook a lot over the years.
3: Uh, you know, it's interesting you brought up the point, Greg, about... Can, can I, I, can I just say that... I don't know.
1: Before you go, Haas, I, I was going to say before Haas answered, I was going to say that you're our Aaron Andrews, John.
3: Yeah, oh. not quite as easy on the eyes. <laughs> no. I
1: don't know. It, it depends on how much beer I've had. <laughs> <laughs> okay then, that's moving moving on. Yeah, all right. Sorry, Hoss. I didn't I'll, mean to I'll touch take off. Bino Cook.
0: You,
3: you think Ron Paulus is going to win? Ron uh,
0: Paulus. Uh, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go listen to Beano Cook's voice again because he had that. You know, <laughs> that's not
3: what you sound like.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> no, I was just going <laughs> to say when when you brought up that you didn't know if I was going to be a permanent replacement thinking back to it, I didn't really, you know, when I said I'd step in, you know, fill in on the, uh, five heart podcast, I really didn't think it would be on a permanent basis at first. I just kind of was thinking, Oh, cause the first time that I had been on was, um, the first night that Brian was in the hospital last September and he was going to be on with, uh, it was going to be us three, you know, Greg, you, Brian and myself. And, uh, you know, Brian wasn't feeling well, so it was just you and me. And then, you know, after that happened I thought, you know, I enjoyed being on there, you know, step in and then over time I've just enjoyed being on it each week and talking Nebraska football, so I'm happy to be a mainstay.
1: And due to your involvement on the Five Heart podcast, you're contractually barred from going on the Big Red Copcast anymore. So that that's a it's a win for everybody.
3: Oh man. But <laughs> you'll have very unhappy uh Pat and Tweedy,
1: you know what I, I and I love the the Cobcast guys. I miss them, uh, but I don't think they listen to our show as religiously as we listen to theirs, or at least as I listen to theirs. So
3: I, I don't think so either. So we might have to have like
1: a because they're war jerks. With them. like you, you know, mean insult and, them you know. a lot on the next episode. You can insult them a lot right now, John. No, you can
3: insult Ryan Tweedy about you know his deadlifting, but
1: no, no, no. I'm good. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Oh, I can't wait. Next week on a very special five-hour podcast. John Dems. You have like a
3: Christmas special full with them.
1: <laughs>
0: we'll see how this Saturday
1: goes. <laughs> I like it already. All righty. Yeah. That is, uh, I, I think that's it. That's a good place to uh, wrap up this episode. Uh, Hoss and John, I, I can't express my. Appreciation and gratitude uh, to you both for spending time away from uh, either your studies or your family, uh, for you know just joining, having having some laughs with me, and uh, and and it's one of the highlights of my week every week, and uh, with Haas twice a week. So thanks, Haas. Uh, but that'll do Take it. <laughs> that'll that do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. He is at Haas Reuter. He is at Coronation. We affectionately call him. Uh, John Dam Johnston, and you should too, especially in the comments on Coronation or Facebook. And uh, we will talk with you more as uh, we we get ready for Purdue. It is a 2.30 kickoff from Memorial Stadium. It's homecoming. Lots of uh, reason to get excited and be excited and for the team to be excited for all 60 minutes of football. And uh, we will see you on Coronation.com, on Facebook, Twitter, all the social media places, JitteryMonkey.com as well. For myself, Greg Mahachko, for Host Reuter, and John Damn Johnston, we remind you this weekend every week that 5 Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red!
3: Win the
1: damn game. I like how you brought a little bit of a El Diablo into that one.
3: We got bringing the sauce.
1: This is a production of the Jittery
2: Monkey Podcast Network.